Amen. Jesus is still in the business of rescuing lost sheep. Did you know that? The same Jesus that David just read about in the scriptures, illustrated as a good shepherd finding a lost sheep and rescuing that lost sheep, 2,000 years later, today, he is still in the business of doing the same. Last Sunday, I saw another example of it. Right here on this lawn, Pastor David was praying with a woman. She was concerned for her young adult daughter. And her young adult daughter had never really been a Christian. She had been skeptical. She had been at arm's length from the church. But lately, God had sent this young woman a Christian boyfriend. And that made her a little bit more curious than she had been before. And Pastor David was talking with this young woman's mom. The young woman lives in another area, but the mom was here. And David decided to pray for the young woman in the other area with the Christian boyfriend. And as he was praying for this young woman, he was prompted to pray a prayer from 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, which says, May today be the day of salvation. And he prayed that with this mom, and we all went off to our day. And later that very same day, seven days ago, September 6, 2020, that young woman living in another area, she had finished reading a Christian book that was given to her, and she read the last word on the last page, and she closed the book, and suddenly she felt this overwhelming sense of peace, and it flooded her mind, body, and spirit. And she texted her mom, the one Pastor David had prayed with, and she said, Mom, I just want you to know I've had my moment and this woman now believes. And David had prayed, may today be the day of salvation. How cool is that? I have a feeling after the service today there's going to be a line of people wanting <laughs> David to pray for their young adult children. The point is that Jesus is still in the business of rescuing lost sheep. You guys, that story I just told you is simply the most recent one I can think of. It was seven days ago. In 2020, we have seen so many stories just like that, especially in the generation of people in their 20s, the young adults. I don't even know what they're called anymore. Millennials, Generation Z, people in their 20s, they are coming to Christ. Jesus is still in the business of being the good shepherd who rescues lost sheep. I could actually spend the next 20 minutes of this sermon simply telling you more stories just like that one. And we could all feel really good about those stories. But if we did that, if we focused only on the one, so to speak, who wanders off and Jesus rescues, we, who maybe some of us are like the 99, we might miss the message that Jesus has for us in this parable as well. There's a message for those of us who think of ourselves as already found. We could celebrate all those who are lost, who are being found, who are coming to Christ. That would be a great thing to do. But also, there's a message in here for the rest of us. And in order to understand what that message is, in order to receive it as our own, we have to understand that this story took place in the midst of a scandal, actually. Jesus gave this parable in response to a scandal that was happening. Maybe you didn't notice it. Let's read it again in verses 1 and 2 to find out what this scandal was that was happening in Jesus' time so that we all might realize this morning our need for rescue from
from our good shepherd. Verses 1 and 2, let's look at it together. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the scandal. Tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus. Now, I just really want to paint this picture for us this morning. Tax collectors were people who had basically become politically corrupt. They were Jewish people who had aligned themselves with the Roman occupation, and they were unfairly collecting taxes from the Jews to give to Rome. They were politically corrupt people. They were despised maybe above anybody else in society. Wouldn't you hate a tax collector like that? I don't even like the tax collectors in our nation. These ones were even worse. And then there were this other group of people that says tax collectors and sinners. This is a bit of a catch-all phrase. Who were these sinners that were gathering around Jesus? Probably prostitutes and their pimps and the people who hung out with them. So the tax collectors were these politically corrupt people, and these sinners were these morally corrupt people, and they've all gathered around Jesus. Why have they gathered around him? Well, look what it says in their complaint. He receives them and eats with them. Politically and morally corrupt people. Jesus, this supposed religious figure, receives them and eats with them. Now, I want to really bring this home even further. And I want us to imagine a contemporary example of something like this so we can feel the scandal. Imagine with me. Imagine a group of people in our nation right now who are either politically corrupt or morally corrupt. Can you picture a group of people like that? I just want you to imagine. You don't have to tell me who you're picturing. You're all picturing a different group of people from the person next to you, but that's okay. Picture somebody, a group of people in our nation who's either politically corrupt or morally corrupt. Now, imagine this with me. Imagine there's a YouTube video that's going viral, and it's of this group of people, and they're all gathered together. And somebody sends you the YouTube clip because they think you might recognize somebody in that group. And you watch this video, and there's those people, those politically corrupt people ruining our nation, ruining our society. There's those morally corrupt people. And oh my goodness, who is that with them? I think I, think I recognize who that is in that video. That's, that's Pastor Heather. <laughs> Pastor, what is she doing in the video? She's handing out waters to them. She's got sandwiches for them. You keep watching the video, and pretty soon she's sitting down and she's having a meal. She's eating, she's laughing with them. And maybe you think to yourself, she's my pastor. I, I thought she was, I thought she was a Christian. And she's with them? I thought she was a religious figure. I thought she was on our side. But look, she's supporting, she's condoning. She's having a meal with them. She brought them water bottles and sandwiches. She's obviously supporting their behavior. Do you see the scandal now? That's what was upsetting the scribes and the Pharisees. It says they were grumbling and complaining, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. These people that are ruining our society, what's Jesus doing about it? He's having a meal with them. 
So they bring their complaint to Jesus. They grumble and they complain. And look how he responds. Look with me at verse 3. So Jesus told them this parable. What one of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? You see, what Jesus is beginning to do here with this parable is he's reframing, he's redefining the whole scene, the whole situation. He's basically saying, oh, those group of people, those people that you think are ruining our society, those people that you are condemning, let's look again at them. Let's look at them through my eyes. That group of people that you all pictured a moment ago on the YouTube video, Jesus says, look again at them. You know what I see? I see people who are lost. They're lost. They're like lost sheep. And I love them. You see how Jesus views these people that we prefer to condemn? Jesus goes after. He loves. The people that we want to hate, Jesus loves. The people that we want to separate from, Jesus enters into. And he continues in verse 5. And when the shepherd has found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. I love this verse. I love this picture of the good shepherd finding his sheep who's lost. I almost picture a, a sheep who's wandered off from the 99. Maybe the sheep has wandered off from the field and is caught in some kind of thicket and can't get back. He's got himself in quite a mess. And the good shepherd, Jesus, walks up to this sheep, and I love what he does. He simply puts the sheep on his shoulders and rejoices. Notice with me what Jesus doesn't do in that moment when he finds the lost sheep. What does Jesus not do here? What does he not say? Jesus doesn't go up to that lost sheep caught in the thicket, caught in the mess of his life or her life, and Jesus doesn't in that moment say you idiot. What are you doing here? Jesus also doesn't give this lost sheep a five-step plan that he has to remember very carefully with three sub-steps for each of the five steps to get himself back to the fold on his own. Come on, buddy, remember my steps, then you can get yourself back to the fold. No, Jesus doesn't condemn. He doesn't instruct. He doesn't preach at he simply scoops up, places on his shoulders, and rejoices. Wow. See, what Jesus is doing at this part of the parable, he's not just revealing that some people are lost and he loves them. He's also exposing a little bit of, at least I can speak personally, a little bit of my own sin. It feels kind of good to condemn those people. If I'm being honest, I kind of want Jesus to go to those people and say, stop doing that, you idiots. But he scoops them up. No condemnation. And he rejoices. Verse 6, the story continues. And when the shepherd comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now, I'll be honest with you, at this point in the parable, 
when Jesus, the good shepherd, has scooped up the lost sheep, placed him on his shoulders, and brought him back to the fold, and he invites all his friends and neighbors to join the party. If I'm really being honest, at this part of the parable, I kind of want to be that sheep, don't you? The one that Jesus, our good shepherd, picks up, puts on his shoulders, praises God, and then invites other people to a party, saying, look, this sheep was lost, but now she's found. I want to be that sheep in this moment. I don't really want to be like the 99, the scribes and the Pharisees who grumbled and complained. I got a lot of grumpiness in my heart. And I don't want to be that. I want to be the one Jesus celebrates. And there's a clue in here of how we can be that sheep, how we can be that lamb that Jesus celebrates when we were lost and then we are found. How do we get there? How do we get on those shoulders? How do we get into that party? Jesus tells us in verse 7, Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I want to examine this for a couple minutes this morning. Jesus says, do you want to know how to be celebrated by me? Do you want to know how to get up on my shoulders? Do you want to know how to get into that party I'm throwing? It's simple. Repent. Repent. Recognize those places in your heart, in your life, where you've wandered. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I think he has kind of a wink in his eye when he says there will be a rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Wink, wink. I once heard a talk on this very text, and the title of the talk was, Hint, There is No 99. We're all prone to wander, aren't we? I loved baptizing Will a couple minutes ago, right before I got him. He just wanted to go. He just, that's, that's why he was crying. He wanted to go walk around. He's prone to wander like the rest of us. He got baptized today. That young woman who came to Christ last Sunday, hallelujah, guess what? She's going to wander again. She received Christ seven days ago, but she's maybe wandering today. I don't know. The good shepherd scoops us up on his shoulders and throws a party for us every time we come back in repentance. It's not a one-time deal. For some of us, it might need to happen every hour. Why do you think we come back to the communion table every single week? It's because we're prone to wander. And we need his redemption. We need his forgiveness routinely. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> now, just in case there's anybody who's dozing off on this beautiful morning, I'm going to do a little bit of audience participation here. I'm going to have you raise your hand with a couple questions, okay? The first one's pretty easy. Raise your hand if you can agree with this statement. I have a good shepherd. Yes. I have a good shepherd. We love that idea. We love Jesus as our good shepherd. Now, raise your hand again, because this one sh really should follow, but it's harder to agree with, but let's just try it. I am a sheep. Good. We have humble people here. I saw some kind of nervous laughter there. It's harder to admit, isn't it? I have a good shepherd, praise the Lord. What that means, really? I'm a sheep. I'm a lamb. And guess what? That's hard to admit because sheep, has anyone here ever been around a sheep? They're stupid. 
They're prone to wander. They are totally and utterly dependent on the care of their shepherd. It's harder to admit, I'm a sheep. In fact, in our society, in our culture, it's often used as an insult. Like on Twitter, if you show your devotion to one thing or another, somebody else can cynically say, sheeple. Maybe you've seen that before. It's hard to admit, I'm a sheep. That means I'm dependent. I have a good shepherd, I'm a sheep. Now I want you to raise your hand for a third one. It's even harder still. Raise your hand, and if you could say, I am lost. David Pollock was the first hand I saw up, the most humble man on the lawn. Yeah, I am lost. Now, this one, I think, is really hard to admit. I prefer to think of myself as in the 99. Maybe you came to Christ 20 years ago. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Maybe it was two years ago where you say, I am found. I am found. I belong to the flock. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'm found. But we forget, don't we, that we're prone to wander. We forget that our will is turned away by the idols and temptations of this world. We're prone to wander. We need that rescue, which is actually, if you think about it in this parable, that's actually really good news because it means we get to go to the party. I don't want to be like these scribes and Pharisees grumbling and complaining about those sinners out there. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to say, I need rescue. I need redemption. I am prone to wander. I've wandered off once again. Here's an idea for you. Maybe you're in the 99, and you think you're safe, you think you're in the care of the shepherd, you think you're in the flock, you think you've, you're on the inside track of this whole Christianity thing, and, and you, you recognize those people out there that we need to be praying for, those people we see on the news who are ruining society, and you just want to pray for them and maybe avoid them at all costs. And maybe today you saw Jesus moving in, entering into those people, loving them. Maybe you could picture Pastor Heather passing out water bottles and sandwiches. Maybe that convicted you just a little bit. It's possible to be in the 99 and to have so much self-righteousness and even judgmentalism towards other people in our society. You don't even realize how lost you are. That's me many days. Self-righteousness tribalism is another form of being lost. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to picture something. I want us all to picture something together. In fact, let's take a moment first and just kind of examine, everybody personally examine at least one way that you've wandered off. Maybe it's like I just described, you're one of the 99 and you have an easy time judging other people. That's actually a form of being lost. Maybe you've rebelled against God. Maybe you're watching online, this came up on your friend's Facebook feed and you're not a Christian or a Christ follower at all and you realize, I, I want in, I want into the flock. Whatever it is, just take a moment and examine, come Holy Spirit and offer true repentance. You know, sometimes when we repent, we don't really offer honest repentance, do we? When we repent, let me rephrase, sometimes when I repent, I repent like a candidate at a job interview who's just been asked to describe your weaknesses. You've seen this, haven't you, in a job interview? The person's trying to get the job and you say, what are your weaknesses? And the candidate says, well, my weaknesses, you know, I." I just work too hard. Sometimes I care too much. 
That's my weak. You're not really talking about your weaknesses. You're trying to make yourself look good. Sometimes repentance looks that way. We're like, Lord, I repent of all my greatness. I just care too much and I'm exhausted. Can you help those other people in our society stop being such idiots? I'm exhausted. We, I, I, that's not repentance. Repentance is saying, Lord, I have wandered. I have wandered either into self-righteousness or into rebellion. One way or the other, I've wandered and I need you to come. And in this moment right now, just think about what that area is in your heart. How have you wandered? Now I want you to picture something and I'll end with this. Picture now the good shepherd coming to you in that place. Be honest with him. Tell him the ways you've wandered. Now when the good shepherd comes and finds you, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, you idiot, how did you get into this place again? He doesn't give you a five-step plan to get back to the flock. Picture this now. He simply scoops you up, places you on his shoulders, and rejoices. Why? Because you've given him true repentance, honest confession. And you've said, Lord, I'm prone to wander, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We have an opportunity now, in just a moment, Pastor Heather's gonna lead us to the communion table where we remember that our great shepherd became the lamb for us to take away the sins of the world. That's who we come to. Come, it's weird because we're not really coming forward for communion. You're going to have a little plastic cup, but in that moment, come to him. Let him redeem you once again and join the party. We have a good shepherd. We are sheep. And anytime we tell him how we're lost, he finds us and redeems us. Amen.